words out of Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening came, He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. You may be seated. Vision Sunday, last October, gave a bold, aggressive statement of where I believe God is leading us as a church, was shared with me what I needed to share with you, and I shared it. And that was to prepare this church for growth and how to do it, to rise up, if you will. Talked about the campus being more useful, user-friendly, things for children in the community to do, uh, tournaments for kids and adults of all ages and people to play in a tournament on our basketball court, to beautify that, to beautify the property. And that process is in motion. And thank the Lord for it because our property is looking a whole lot more community appealing, curbside appeal if you will. But we're not done, of course. Because... Just when you make something look appealing doesn't mean people are going to come. Rather, the church now has to be the church and rise up, as we were called to do. It includes all of us. And that means you. It's time to move. It's time to rise up and do it. Do what? (laughs) What is God saying for us to do? Well, I have a question for you. I want to know what is your level of faith today? There are four yeses you're going to hear throughout this message. And in this message, they will easily show you where you're at in your walk of faith or lack of disbelief. Are you new to the faith? 
Is it something that you haven't all the way learned everything? You're still in the growth process? Are you learning all you can? Or are you just saying, well, I'm coming to church and I'm just doing that to learn? Or are you one of those who's fired up and ready to go? Just can't wait to see what God does next. Or are you like many, are you a wait and seer? Ever seen those folks before? Well, I'll, I'll wait and see how this thing turns out. If it's good, I might join in. There's a lot of wait and seers in this world, but those are not the ones that get things done. Those are not the ones that rise up. They're the ones that kind of get off the bench when the game's already decided. <laughs> They're the, what they call the scrubs in football or baseball. It's the guys who don't get much playing time. They get in this, when there's a blowout, they get called in. Those are the wait and seers. They call them bench warmers. And the only thing they inspire is the bench to be warm. But nothing else amazing. I don't know about you, but I want to see each one of us really concerned that this world sees God at work. That there is an active work of God happening around each of us and that we're a part of that and seeing it through. And we're committed to that. So the question I have this morning is, are you concerned for the future? Now people go, I'm scared to death. But that's not what I mean. Are you concerned for the future of this church or the church at large, either one? Are you concerned for that? Some people go, yeah, I'm really not so sure I like the direction we're going here. Some people go, yes, I'm concerned because, you know, we need a lot more people to do what we said we want to do or there's not enough workers. We all have all these concerns. But are you concerned like, I'm so concerned about it, I'm excited concerned. There's a concern in my heart that says this is what I think about and I just want to be a part of whatever God's doing here. That kind of concern. And there is a difference, isn't there? So what kind of concern do you have or do you think about the future? Do you see signs of God moving around you? Do you see God at work? Scripture tells us that God is at work and He's still working today. Do you see Him doing that? Do you see signs in your life anywhere, whether here or outside of here throughout the week, where God is working? I'm going to tell you, God is doing something whether or not you see it. There is a time in your life when you have to say, God, give me the eyes to see what you are doing and help me to be a part of that. Because if you don't want to be a part of it, He often doesn't show you because you don't want to do anything about it. But if you want to invest your time and energy and resources into God's work, you can say, God, show me what you're doing so I can be a part of it. Kind of like what experiencing God says if you've ever done that study. God is always at work and join Him in what He's doing. God's been working and He still is. The question I have for you today is are you a worker or a sitter? Some folks are sitters and some people are workers. But you need to be honest with yourself because God already knows that answer. And I'm not asking you to tell me. But I want to know if your faith, whatever level you're at, has grasped a vision for what God can do through you, with you, and in your community and church around you? Have you grasped that kind of vision? And if you've seen any vision whatsoever and and saw that what God is doing or can do, are you all in with it? Are you willing to do what it takes to make it happen? Even if it makes you uncomfortable. 
A lot of folks um, say, well, as long as it doesn't make me uncomfortable, it's not too risky, I might consider it. Those are the lukewarm folks who don't want to get into the firing line. Let me tell you something. Jesus was not comfortable when He went to the cross to do God's work. But Scripture says He learned obedience through suffering. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. If Jesus learned it through suffering, through those risks that He took to trust His heavenly Father that He was going to follow through and raise Him up from the dead and that all He did was worth it, that's suffering through obedience. Do you have the same mindset? And if not, will you pray for it? Now today's text about Jesus walking on the water, a lot of people use this phrase. Well, I can't walk on water. Only Jesus can. That's not true. Just because Jesus did it and you have not does not mean you cannot. As a matter of fact, Jesus walked on the water and the second person to do so was Peter. And we use Peter as a bad example. He's walking on water and he's a bad example. Well, let's see you walk on water and be a bad example. He got out of the boat, didn't he? I don't know anywhere else in Scripture or anywhere else in history where there's a story of another person besides those two walking on water. Nowhere. Nowhere. And yet, in all history, Peter did it. And yet he had the courage to do it, but also the foolishness to deny Jesus. Not long after. So, I don't know about you, but when you step into the middle of a miracle like that, and you can still wonder whether He's Jesus or not as God, there's something going on with whether you think a miracle is enough. Here's what's said in Scripture. A miracle, this is a paraphrase, a miracle is not enough or the miracles would have brought the whole nation of Israel to their knees when Jesus walked this earth. A miracle is not enough. Wisdom is not enough. It's faith in action that works. That's enough. Nothing else will resolve your hope in God but faith in action. Now this text that we're looking at with Jesus walking on the water comes right after He fed 5,000. Some say that that miracle of feeding 5,000 is one of the greatest miracles. And it is. With the limited resources, He fed 5,000, not counting the women and children. Did you know our food pantry has fed more than 5,000 people in the last three years? Did you know that? On limited resources, this church has fed over 5,000 people in the last three years. Why? Because Jesus stirred someone's heart in this church to do it faithfully. That's how it happens. That's how miracles happen. Is you keep going forward with what God told you to do and the miracles occur from that. Those miracles of the feeding 5,000 and we, we counted 2,000 in the last year of boxes of food and those boxes of food are more than one meal. So you could say we fed thousands of people meals 
in the last year. Do you think about that? You say, but, but our church doesn't do much. Well, it's done what Jesus did in an afternoon in a year. So we're getting there. We're following His steps in that way. God is moving. Jesus is working here. Or we couldn't do that. We can look around and say, how did we feed 5,000 people in a year? There's not 5,000 people here. But we did. And the numbers, except for last Wednesday, have continued to increase. I think we can do more. I know God can. I don't have a question that God can do more than through us and what we've already done. I think we can feed twice as many as we do if God tells us. If God brings the people and the resources, we can do it. God's already provided a way with another uh, freezer. He provided that. Someone's going to say, well, no, that came from Feeding America. But they only had two and they chose us for one of them. How did we get favor? God. God. Never give someone else the credit for what God is doing. Do you believe God is working here through this church and in this church? I believe He's working right now in this service. Do you believe that? It's hard to believe if you don't believe in Jesus because God is His Father. And if you don't accept His Son, it's hard to understand you accepting the work of His Father. Do you believe in Jesus? He hasn't changed. He's still feeding 5,000. He's just doing it different ways. We're not the only people doing that. We're just another source of Jesus' grace to this world. He's still feeding multitudes and He's using us to do it. I feel good about that. I like that. And so after He feeds the multitude, He tells the disciples to get in the boat and row across to the other side. And Jesus goes in the mountain to pray. Now, in another Gospel, it talks about Jesus on the mountain and He says He sees the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He sees it. And He sees that they're struggling, rowing against the wind. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're doing what Jesus says, you get a contrary wind blowing. You get things that push against it. And you wonder if you're making progress. But in that Gospel, when it said Jesus saw them fighting against the wind, rowing with all they could, that He saw it. And they may have used all their energy to go a third of the way across the Sea of Galilee. And by the time Jesus got to them, however far they made it, it was at that point when smooth sailing started. When He got in the boat. It even says in this Gospel that the sea became calm. And then all of a sudden they could row without effort. You see, once an answer comes, this is how it works. It's the struggle, it's the grief, it's the worry, it's the anxiety, and all of a sudden God provides a miraculous answer and everything's perfect and you go, oh, you can breathe again. And you can take that energy that you were using in the struggle to say, wow, back to normal and now normal's easier. All of a sudden, normal's not so bad without all the energy expensed on something else. You now have it for other things. But before He saw them in the middle of the sea, He was with them 
at the feeding of the 5,000 and they watched that. And he said, after that, it's been a long day. Guys, go to the other side. Let's get some rest. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that's probably what they thought. Let's get some rest. We'll just take a nice easy road, cross the Sea of Galilee, go to the other side and rest. That isn't what he directed though, was it? He directed them into the headwind that they fought hard. You see, sometimes you think you got God has used you and you're, you're done and, and all of a sudden He sends you into something else even harder. God, I'm so tired. I'm wore out. He said, just come over here with me for a little while and all of a sudden you find out and you think, I'm getting rest, but instead there's another tribulation or another cost of discipleship. And so what He tells them is get in the boat. Get in. Very simple command. Fishers of men, easy to do. Tax collector, not so easy. Other guys who didn't do that kind of work, not so easy, but they've done it before. So they get in the boat and they know what it's like to row across the Sea of Galilee, so they say yes. It's the first part of faith that says yes to the call of Jesus to follow Him. And we don't say this yes one time. I promise you, you'll say it many times to Jesus over the course of a life of faith. There are many yes answers and some of them to the same question. Will you follow me? Will you listen? Will you come away with me? And all those yeses. But the first yes is to follow Jesus and be one with Him as a disciple. Some people call this being saved. Conversion. This yes needs to be said every day. Because life's going to tell you that that yes doesn't make a difference. And it makes all the difference in your life. Because if you don't say this yes, the rest of life doesn't matter. Because all you have is this world and nothing else. As Ecclesiastes says, if there is no God and no hope, then we should just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we will die. And if there is no eternity, you might as well just live it up and enjoy what you can. And go out of this world broken, beaten, battered, but dead. Or you can say yes to Jesus and know that this life is preparation for the next. That this is a proving ground. So you've got to say yes to Him. And then He gives you this, the first yes. The second yes comes almost immediately. He calls you into service. And saying yes, it's an act of getting in the boat. You're not going to follow someone who you don't follow and listen to him unless you first said yes to follow what he says and then when he says something, you do it. So that's why the first yes is coming to Jesus and trusting Him. The second yes is doing what He says no matter how simple it is. And He'll usually give you a simple command early on like, tell someone what I've done for you. That's what He told to a lot of people. Go and tell people what I've done to you or what God has done for you. So getting in the boat... And you'll say this act of yes many times as well. As a matter of fact, I've told the story about how I came here. Sky McCracken offered me the pastorate here. And I said, yes. Now, he thanked me for saying yes. But before that yes, and before he offered it, I was in fret and anxious and worried until a few days before and I said, God, I trust you. If you tell me to go here, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. 
I'm going to follow you regardless of what happens in this situation. So I said yes, and Sky said, thank you for saying yes. Was it over then? Was that the end of the story? Or, or at that point, all I had to do then was just show up on a Sunday morning, you know, the first Sunday, and just show up, right? Do nothing between, just show up. Is that right? You wouldn't have liked it without a bulletin or a sermon prepared. You'd have thought I was out of my mind, and I would have too. So there was some work that needed to be done. And some praying that needed to be done. And some closure that needed to be done here with Mr. Boatwright, Reverend Boatwright. And also, this church was still praying. That all had to happen. That's preparation work. Does that make sense? So, saying yes to Jesus and getting on the boat doesn't mean you've made it. (laughs) That's not how it works. When you get on the boat, you've got to grab an oar. And you've got to start rowing whether it's good wind or bad wind, sunny days or, or cloudy, dark nights, cold mornings, warm days, whatever kind of weather it is, you row the boat. <laughs> That's what you say yes to. When you say yes to Jesus like that, you are on board the boat. And this is what you say, I will go. Can you imagine a missionary accepting the call to missionary and they don't do any prep work? I'm going to go over to China and be a missionary. Not something I want to do, but if I were called to that and I didn't learn anything about the culture or the language, I just went over there and went, hmm, oh, I, you know, I don't even know where I'm supposed to sleep. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? It is the I'll go part that says, yes, I'm going to do this. And then a new period begins in your life. It's exciting when you get the yes. It's really, really exciting. It's like a high point. You go, man, God's going to use me. And then you go, oh no, God's going to use me. What am I going to do? Who am... Oh, why did I say yes? I don't know what to do next or first. What am I going to do? If you don't have that, you don't know how big the call is or how great the challenge can be. (laughs) But the boat, when it leaves the pier, you need to be in it. Start doing the work of rowing. Is this where your faith is challenged right now? Saying yes to Jesus or saying yes to the call to get in the boat? Is that where your faith is at right now? You're not sure yet if you're ready to do the hard work. Grunt work, if you want to call it that. Well, some people are that way. And that's the first and second yeses. And that's called getting in. Into the faith and into the boat. And then what happens is you finally realize He told me to go to the other side. (laughs) Oh. Let me tell you something. The Sea of Galilee is not 100 yards wide. It's about 8 to 10 miles depending on where you cross and how far. But it's going to be several... Several hours of rowing. I can't even imagine how long it took them. We did a speedboat um, with double motors going about 25 miles an hour, maybe 30. And it took us about a half an hour to go over a portion of it, not to the other side. We just went across one part of it. And it took a while. So what I'm trying to say to you is, 
If you get in the boat and you're not ready to row, and you don't know how to row, and you've never rowed before, you're going to wear out. You're going to give up. Your bones and your body is going to fight. And you're, and you're going to say, I can't do this anymore. But guess what? You're in the middle of the sea. You can't go backward. You've got to go somewhere. So God has said, I've got you going. Now you've got to follow the course. And your body's going to resist. But Jesus said the Spirit's still willing when the body isn't. And sometimes in those moments, those are the point where we say, well, I wish I'd have spent more time in prayer. More time in preparation. What's true is faith requires a learning stage. The first section was, it's time to go. The second stage is, it's time to grow. We cannot rest when we say yes, where we are. We can pause, but we can't rest. We need to soak in the Word. Seek to serve others. Find ways to get involved. Pray hard and long. And expect God to do something. His part. This is the act of rowing the boat, even in weather where it seems pointless to do so. The third yes says to Jesus, I'll grow. It's accepting the call and going and doing the basic work of preparation. And so is this where you get bogged down in the faith? You get tired of praying and nothing happening, so you stop, or you read the Bible sometimes, you get involved, and then you quit again. You, you come to church for a while, and then, and then you quit again. Or you get excited, and then you fizzle out. These, this is the preparation stage where you got to keep doing what you're doing even when you don't see results. This is the hardest part of faith when the veil is over our face but the anchor still holds within the veil. And you know God still got you through even the stormy blasts of life. Even when you can't see progress or you see backward. And you say, God, where's the answers? I don't know. But I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep pushing through, God, until you do something. Because there is nothing that can be done without you. Without you, I can do nothing, God. So I'm going to keep praying and seeking your face and will and learning how to do what you asked me to do. I'm in a preparation stage right now. I didn't know I was going to be in. And I'm excited about it. But it's also overwhelming. And it's a good thing. It's just bigger than me. So I have to keep seeking God for help. So do you. If you're at the point where you think you don't need God anymore, get back in the boat. Come on. The storms are coming. Get in the boat and try and make it through it without God. In the midst of the storms, He sees you rowing against the wind. And in the worst part of the storm, He's going to come walking along beside you. You're going to say, but where's God? Jesus shows up in this story and they don't think it's Him. How many times has God shown up in your life and you wondered where He was at? Well, I don't, I don't know if that's God or not. You know, Coincidence. I, you know, I don't know. God gives you signs along the way to show you you're on the right path. They may be little, but if you're not looking for them, you're going to look at them as setbacks rather than a setup. A lot of people get bogged down here, but I want to tell you, for you, if this is where you get bogged down, it's time to rise up. Stand on your feet and step it up. Just when you want to quit, that's when you double your efforts and redouble it. Say yes to this call many times a day. I'm going to keep learning and growing no matter what the world around me says. This is Peter when he sees Jesus and says, 
if it's really you, <laughs> if it's really you, I think this is sarcastic. He's trying to find out if it's a ghost or not. If it's really you, Jesus, tell me to walk on the water to you. And I think he's hoping that he says, uh, it's not Jesus. Isn't that how we feel sometimes when something's bigger than us? I hope this isn't you, God, because I really don't want to do this. I don't think I can. Uh, I'm not qualified. That's my big one. I don't know how to do this. I'm not qualified. You'll, you can find someone better to do this. You ever said that one? I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know why. I don't know why you're asking me. I don't know how. Someone's more qualified, more energy, younger, stronger, smarter. Whatever the reason, this is where we get bogged down because we don't want to do the work. It takes work. Hard work. And faith without work is dead. Studying the Word of God, it takes effort. Praying is hard work sometimes, especially when it's those agonizing prayers that you don't think are going to come. And you keep knocking on the door of the judge's house like the persistent widow until he relents. Get up. Stand up. Do you understand that Peter had to stand up to get out of the boat and it's storming in this little boat and he could fall over and fall out if he stands up? He did it anyway. It's risky. It's dangerous. It can get him hurt. It could hurt the others. He stops rowing. There's a time when the work is done and you've got to follow and get up and get out. And that's the third part of this message, which is get out. And that's scary. <laughs> oh, is that scary. It's also the fourth yes. The fourth yes is the work of faith. The work of faith. Now the rowing and preparation is the labor, getting ready, but the work of faith is the risk. Where you have to do something where you trust God because your abilities cannot do it. God has asked us as a church to do something, frankly, I think, He's got to do it. And I'm glad. Because we can't take the credit for what He does that way. I don't want the credit. The last thing I want is someone to go, this pastor did this for our church. No. I was in one saying, I don't even know how He's going to do this. Not, I've got a plan and God's going to honor it. <laughs> no. He shows us one step at a time what we need to do. And sometimes those steps look ugly. Or contrary to natural thought. Is it not true? That sometimes following God doesn't seem logical? Or sensible? Or comfortable? <laughs> or safe? Or others even wondering why we're doing it? Sometimes the worst voices are the voices of friends and family. And they sometimes speak louder than the ones in our own head that say we can't do it. And we think they're confirmation. You know what I do now when I hear a voice that's saying I can't do it from others and in my head? I agree with them. I say you're absolutely right. And the glory for this getting done is God's, not mine. And you're going to see what God can do through someone who's willing to do what God asks. Wait a minute. You mean I'm supposed to think like that? Yes. You want God to get the glory, don't you? You love Him. You want to honor Jesus what you do with your life. There you go. 
You don't get the credit. Do stuff you can't do for God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It's risky. As soon as Jesus says, come, Peter steps out on the water. I cannot in my life imagine this. But I want you to hear the verse where it says that. It says, and when Peter had come down out of the boat. Don't miss that. Don't get this image where he's stepping right out on a smooth sea, just stepping over the edge and going to the water. He had to commit. He had to commit in the storm that Jesus wanted him outside the boat. He had to step down. There's no stepping back up into the boat. Do you understand? Once he commits, he's in the water if it doesn't work. It's all in. And he's either going to be on it or he's going to be in it. He's going to either drown or he's going to walk. And Peter said, since it's Jesus, I'm going to check it out. I think he thought that way. I'm going to check it out. Since he said, come, I'm going to go. Uh, It's not sensible. I have been on this water before. It doesn't work real well to walk on it. But he told me, so I will. And he steps over the edge and down. Has to let go of the boat to get down to the water's edge. The boat isn't like three feet side rails. It's taller than he is on the sides to get down out of the water, into the water. So he lets go of the boat and lands on his feet. But listen to this. All the other times he would have done that had Jesus not called him to do so, he would have gone in the water. He would have. It's only faith when it's risky and God calls you to it and you know He has to back it up. That's when it's faith. And you're not going to do that on a relationship you don't have. And you're not going to do that unless you're in the boat. And you're not going to do that if you haven't done the preparation to know that He is who He is and you trust Him still. That you've done the hard work of getting ready and you know this is the source of your adoration. And you've shown Him over the years and hours of growing. And this, as we say, in faith, is when we show. Our works show. It's time to show. It's telling God you actually trust Him rather than saying you do. You show Him you do. Hmm. Impossible with us is doable with God. That's one of my favorite lines. God is not limited by your limitations. Your inability does not stop His ability through you. Your uh, insecurity does not make you less secure in Christ. Your weakness is His source of strength, says Paul. That your strength shows your weakness, but your weakness shows His strength. For when you're weak, it's when you're at your strongest. Because God is most present with you. So when Jesus says, walk on the water, and Peter drops down out of the boat, He says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. I'm letting go of the boat. I'm going down the water. You said, do it. I'm doing it. And what did He do? He walked on the water for a moment. I got the tie on. After a while, he looked around at all the dangers and the risks that are inherent in everything you do for God that this world would tell you, can't do it. 
Even the enemy will come and set you setbacks and attack you from all sides. So you can't do this. I just agree with them and say, I can't, but God's doing it through me and so that's enough for me. I never said I could. <laughs> I never said I could do this. But God said, do it. And the work is His, not mine. Interesting, isn't it? Faith without works is dead. And Peter walks on the water and loses sight of why he was doing it. Distracted. And he starts to sink. That's what the picture on the tie is about. Jesus starts to sink. And immediately, he cries out because he was afraid. People pick on Peter for being afraid of the trials and tribulations of this world taking his eyes off Jesus. I think the biggest critics were sitting in the boat telling him what he shouldn't be doing. He shouldn't be out there anyway. What do you think? You could walk on water? What's wrong with you? I don't even think that's Jesus anyway. You probably listen to the wrong voice. All those guys and other 11 disciples sitting there telling Jesus how bad He is. And we give Him bad play because He starts to sink and loses his eyes on Jesus. But He's out of a boat. He's doing something for Jesus and He cannot walk on water and He's reminded of that by the stuff around Him. He's reminded of that constantly. He's a fisherman. He knows the environment. It's not unusual to him. And he sees that and sinks and is afraid. And who wouldn't be? If you're not afraid when you're doing something for God, it's not big enough. It's not bigger than you. you got too small a vision. It's got to be so big God has to do something. And here's what Peter cries out. Save me! Lord, save me! I'm getting ready to go down and drown. And listen to what the next two words are. And immediately. Immediately. Jesus stretched out His hand and caught Him. God's not going to let you fail what He called you to do. But He's going to get you to the point where you realize He's all that can get you to do it and get you through it. There is no way without Jesus. You can't do it. And if you don't attempt something bigger than yourself that has to be God-sized, you're still sitting on the shore not even in the boat yet. You're still trying to do things on your own power. And all you can do is fight the wind and get nowhere. And Jesus grabs him and holds him up and says to him, why did you doubt? It's a rhetorical question. Jesus knows why. It's because this world's bigger than us. And the storms of life are bigger than us. And we don't doubt the storm's power and the dangers of this world. And we don't doubt the fact that we can't overcome them alone. What we doubt in that moment is whether or not God will act. Will we still call to Him in those moments or give up. That work of faith can be hard and challenging and taxing and sleepless nights and tears because nobody gets it or nobody supports it and you feel like you're drowning. You say, God, I don't understand. 
you ever hear the story about Dallas Theological Seminary? It's still there to give you the end of the story. In the early 1900s, they were facing a massive debt and they were going to have to close. They believed that God wanted this seminary there. But they needed $10,000. Back then, that was like $2 million now. Or they were going to have to close the doors and no students the next day. And, and the people in the college are fretting all the boards together. And the president of the college, <coughs> as they're fretting and fearing, says, Gentlemen, let me have your attention. This is what I'm going to say to you too. Gentlemen, ladies, have, let me have your attention. I want you to know that we're arguing over $10,000 whether God can do this or not, or whether it's going to happen, what we're going to have to do, and what's the contingency plan when it fails. And he said, I want you to know that God called us to make this seminary. And my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And I believe he can sell some if we just ask him. And then provide that for what he asked us to do here. I believe we can do that, guys. Instead of trying to figure out what not to do, let's figure out how God can do this. And so they got down on their knees and started praying. And he prayed, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. We need you to sell some and bring the money here because tomorrow we're going to have to close the doors of this place because we're a deadline. Not early. God doesn't like that. He wants you to panic. For some reason, he wants you to go to the the very last moment, which is perfect timing for him. (laughs) Always seems that way. And gets to that moment, and they're praying, and he's a God. Just sell some. We got. We're at this deadline. There is no other way. If you don't do this, we're closing tomorrow. And I know you don't. So I'm believing in faith that you're going to do something. They finish praying, and a knock on the door. As soon as they've said amen, the secretary walks in and says, there's a cattle rancher who just made a large sale on his ranch and he's tithing on that ranch. I don't know how much you all need, but his tithe on that is coming here and it's $10,000 will be here in the morning. Wait a minute. You're saying God can do that? Are you saying He can't? Are you saying He won't because it's you? He's God. He wants Himself to get the glory. And if you're willing to do that, get in the boat, get up and get out and follow Him onto the dangerous waters of life, yes, He will. That's what He's asking us as a church to do. Because we know, as James said, faith without works is a dead faith. As I said, those in the boat criticized Peter, but they never walked on water, did they? They don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like unless it was ice. I'll never know what Peter knows. I'll never know what it's like to risk my life dropping over the edge of a boat in a storm to follow Jesus on water. Because he said go. I'll never know what that risk is like taking. And the fear and the anxiety and the excitement and the maybes and the possibilities. But Peter knows. And I never knew what it was like when Peter was scared for Jesus to lift him up out of the water. I'll never know what that's like for him. Because I'll never have that opportunity. Because I wasn't there and I might not have got out of the boat. And only one did. But can you imagine his story? Can you imagine his confidence? 
He's going, yeah, you should have seen me. I was so scared, man. I didn't want to let go of the boat. But, you know, he said, come. And I was scared, but the wind in the way. But he said, come. And I knew if he would, he would do something. I knew. Or did he go like this? I knew he had it. I, I was just confident. No, he was out of his mind scared. But he did it anyway. Because he had done the work of spending time with Jesus. He could trust him. Even in that. But nobody else talks about what they did that day. Yeah, we just sat there and did nothing. Nobody talks about that. And nobody's inspired by their story. Except for to not do that. The question is today, will people be inspired by your story? By what you do? By how you live? By the risks you take? when it seems nonsense to the world around you and the voices in your head, simply because Jesus said, will you say yes? You got four yeses to say multiple times in your life. Hopefully, the first one or the next one is right now. And I'll tell you why. Because we're getting ready to move into Holy Communion. And I've asked you that you might want to use this for that. You might not. But there's some folks that might want to put some more names on the cross. And I've got cards for that that will be on the communion table. You can take those. And uh, I believe there's a pen over here where you can write and stick pin those on the cross if you need to during communion. But I'm sharing this with you because when we take communion, we're not just agreeing with Jesus that He died for us. That's not what we're agreeing with. What we're agreeing with is the invitation to live for Him. That His life would be lived through you. And you're saying yes on all counts to what He says to you. That's what communion is. Our yes to God. So when you come this morning, wherever you're at in the journey, if you're at the first, second, third, or fourth yes, or multiples, (laughs) say them when you receive the elements. Here's how you do it. Take the bread, dip it in the cup, and go, yes. Simple, isn't it? Not hard. But I promise you, what's next? After you say yes, it can challenge you. And it will, if God called you to it. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, You are a great and awesome God. You know what You're doing. You know how to do it. You've told us to get in to get up and then get out, to rise up, Heavenly Father, as a church, as individuals. And without You, we can't do a thing. And anything that we would try isn't worth doing. But here today, Heavenly Father, I'm asking You'd help us to say yes to the next yes that You've called us to. To reaffirm our faith, to bring it into beginning if it's never been there. Heavenly Father, to call us into the boat that says it's time. If we've been lackadaisical or lazy with our work of preparation and learning You and learning to trust You in all situations, then Heavenly Father, help us to say yes to that. And Heavenly Father, if You put a call in our lives that just we keep making excuses for and saying, I can't do that. I don't know how. I don't know that You even qualified me for that. I don't know what You want to do with that. And so we just kind of wait. And we just wait and see and, and wait for someone else to take the spot that He called us to. Heavenly Father, may we not do that anymore, but say yes. 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 For you said in your word that all our yeses in Christ are found, and all our amens are in Him, and all the promises 
are fulfilled in Him. So Heavenly Father, today, may this day be the day that we don't have to talk about what we did not do. Amen.